The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. What's up, everybody? Back in uh, the Redneck Tech Podcast studio, and uh, today we have got Jamie and Ev from Code of Silence over the phone. They're all the way out in Nebraska, so um, they're a little far from the house, so we figured we'd get them on the phone and talk to them about Code of Silence. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Hey, doing awesome. Doing well. Very good. What part of Nebraska are y'all in? Um, we're pretty much western um, western in Nebraska, southern side of the Panhandle, uh, a town called Sydney, which is uh, oh, very, yeah, with, very, yeah, very yeah. familiar with Sydney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know they huge in the origins of, of Cabela's, obviously. And Jamie and I both worked together at Cabela's, and um, you know spent a lot of time in the industry and working together. And and uh, this is uh, this kind of extension of uh, of our passions and our knowledge and. Um, Glad to be here. Very cool. Yeah, um, we hunt in uh, central Nebraska for turkeys every year, and he's actually the guy that we hunt with. The farmer has invited us to come out and do a a whitetail hunt out at his place, and he's actually got his place a little further out west that has mule deer, but I just don't know if we're going to have time to get out there this year. It's one been one that I've been wanting to do forever. His turkey hunting is phenomenal, and uh, it's about like dead center of the state. If you look at the state as a whole, it's right in the middle um, it's not ter- terribly far from Broken Bow, uh, Nebraska, but we drive 19 hours one way out every year and kill turkeys and sleep in this elevated. He's got a uh, a camper that's up on stilts inside of his cattle barn, and it's I don't think it's been cleaned since he put it in there probably 20 years ago, but it's a place to sleep when we go turkey hunting, and we have a blast when we go out there. Nebraska's one of my favorite places. Well, if you don't have time to get out there this fall, we can sure go check it out for you, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could. Yeah, I, and he's got—I know he's got a bunch of deer, and he invites us every year. It's just, you know, the fall gets so narrow with all the projects that we're doing. It's just kind of hard to make time, and and then to tell the wife, "Hey, yeah, um, not only am I filming, you know, hundred <laughs> days this fall, I'm also going to go on a personal trip." She doesn't really <laughs> like that too good, but um, she's she's usually pretty good about it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to. Um, get you guys on and talk about code of silence. It's something that recently came across our radar and something that I'm, I know could potentially be near and dear to my heart because I like to be comfortable and I will spend extra money on being comfortable and quiet. So really, um, I guess, first of all, I want you guys to kind of introduce the product, but then I really kind of more than anything, I want to hear the origin story because generally, and this might not be the case for you guys, there's a story that happens like a specific deer that got spooked because of something or you couldn't sit long enough because you got cold of where this came from. So that's kind of what I want to get out of you. Yeah, awesome. 
Um, you know, just the, the basics of it, of, you know, quiet, warm, and, and well, well concealed is not a, a new need in the, in the hunting industry. I've actually, well, both Jamie and I worked, as I said earlier, at, at Cabela's for a long, long time. I spent almost 30 years, um, most of which I, I, I ran the hunting clothing area for Cabela's. Um, so, you know, build a lot of clothes and own a lot of clothes and hunt a lot of clothes. And it's, it's pretty amazing that after that, you know, over three decades of, of, you know, wearing what I thought was, you know, the best stuff in the world still was dissatisfied with the level of, of deliverable we were getting. And as you say, Caleb, you know, there was a couple instances that really kind of pushed that over the line of, you know, one point I was, um, as much on the concealment side, actually, as, as the quietness side or the warmth side. But, you know, I was sitting, kept going higher and higher in a tree, and I'm on the backside of trees trying to hide from, from one particular deer, but, you know, had, had spent other other times doing it. And um, and I'm like, why am I, you know, in a $1,000 set of clothes, and I'm, I'm basically having to use the tree to hide my camouflage from the deer. And... Then I had a couple other experiences and, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about light reflectance. So I, I, I can use the pun of, you know, the, the light kind of went off in, in my head that there had to be a, a better way. And there were some fabrics that, that we liked really, really well, at least family, families of fabrics. And then at the same time, you start throwing in quietness and, and warmth as must-haves and, and really just saw the need to take particularly bow hunting, white tail clothing uh, to a different level and a better level uh, where it was a complete outfit that was, that was, you know, enabling you to be the the best you possibly could. I got you. So um, did you, well, I guess to back up, did you get, did you get that particular deer you were uh, trying to hide from? (laughs) No, I never did. That's a deer. It's actually that it probably changed the way I think about deer and the way I think about deer hunting. I'm, I'm actually writing a, um, pretty long article about him. I hope I don't know what we're going to do with it. We're going to post it on the site, and uh, uh, I'll I, I won't steal my own thunder. It was a, it was an amazing deer. I've never seen a deer like that deer, but uh, I wasn't able to ever harvest him. But I had quite a history with him over over four years, and um, it's it's a pretty cool story. I not to you know try to push anyone to read anything, but uh, I think some people get a kick out of uh, hearing the story. We'll have it online at some point. I before the end of fall for sure. I got you. Well, cool. So that was kind of the the catalyst that drove you to try and want to make it better. Well, that's 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 something that um, I like to you know to hear and enjoy is is the reasons why and, you know. And I think uh, you know a big deer. I tell anybody you want to learn what a the, the, the true measure of a man get between him and a big deer and you'll find out what he's really made of and what he wants out of life and what he wants out of his clothing and his gear. And he will go to virtually no end to, to make those things happen. And money is no object. And, um, you know, I, which I'm, I'm sure you guys agree because I've had a, I had a friend of mine around here that, that killed a big deer a couple of years ago. And he's like, yeah, nobody else knows about this deer. And I'm like, yeah, they do. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, there's going to be at least six people come out of the woodwork that have pictures of that deer. And it was a huge hoopla when he finally posted that he killed that deer and he did everything right. He did everything legal. There's nothing illegal about it. And 
Um, there were some people really upset at him, and I was like, yep, you really find out what people are made of when you get between them and a big deer. Because, I mean, people decided that was their deer. He was theirs. And, um, yeah. and and around here, it's not like out there. That, you know, big tracts of land just don't happen around here. You have 100 acres of your own that you can hunt. You've got something. And if it's got deer on it anymore, you know. Um, and the hunting pressure, everybody here hunts, and there's not enough ground. And uh, our public land is complete trash so it's really really tough like i don't i don't hunt when i'm home i i only hunt i only travel to hunt so um it's it's, it's a little disheartening for us to, to live around here but it's a great place to raise kids and stuff like that but i tell my dad all the time i'm like man why did you make me grow up in this heck hole for for deer hunting because it's it's not any good but anyway i i digress um so i assume i'm you know from what the story you just told me the, the majority of your background was was whitetail hunting, or or, or 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 did you start doing something else in the beginning? Well, I, you know, cut my teeth on, on waterfowl and birds, uh, or upland birds, and done an awful lot of that, you know. I think Jamie's nodding her head across the table from me. We kind of both do it all, I guess. I, the whitetail hunting is definitely, whitetail bow hunting particularly is definitely my passion, just because it's, you know, the chess game of, of having a, you know, a relationship or a target animal, and but I tell you, I've been spending the last, Jamie can tell you too, the last month on one particular antelope that is driving me absolutely insane. And and so I do an awful lot of archery antelope hunting and I'm just leaving uh, actually five in the morning for a, for a, Idaho, I drew an Idaho moose tag. So I'm super excited to go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So about whatever, whatever I can get out and find time to chase, I, I enjoy doing it. So, yeah, so, same with Jamie. Yeah. That's what I tell people. I don't discriminate as long as it's legal. I'll go. Yeah, exactly. I wish I just had more time. You know, it's just um, it's it's hard to do it all. Yeah. So, so Jamie, back in this uh, the the Sydney, Nebraska days, what what was your job? Did you do the same thing as Ev? Um, I my journey at Cabela's was was interesting. I actually um, I didn't grow up out here. I'm actually from originally Columbus, Ohio, so I was a city gal. <laughs> I got and then I moved out, out west uh, to ranch and work with cattle. So a lot of my background is uh, bovine health and nutrition and um, reproduction. And I met my husband out here and Cabela's was like the the option for, for growth. And I started as a packer in the distribution center um, and then uh, actually met Ev at an event and got to talking about product. And he's like, hey, um, you know, we're looking for somebody over in our team and that's what brought me into merchandising and hunting apparel um a lot of my my experience was in um product development as well so my journey with Cabela's was pretty unique and and actually really cool especially for where where I came from and now is you know the outdoor lifestyle is a huge part of my life which is pretty cool well I think it's, it's cool not to no go ahead yeah not to interrupt but Jamie you know going back to the event Jamie walked into this um product event we were having to show some of the other areas of the company some of the products we were doing and and i was just shocked at this at this you know this gal that was asking me every question and really great questions about products and i'm like i really thought hr was setting me up somehow there was like a <laughs> hidden camera somewhere i've seen how irresponsible a manager i was for not trying to hire this girl into product development and so i didn't know where she came from but it was just an amazing early conversation i was like somehow this girl has got to work on on uh I don't say my team on the team I was involved with and, mm-hmm. and the rest kind of came together. So it's kind of cool. 
It's a fun journey. Me. Yeah. It's definitely been a fun journey. Yeah. Well, I think it was cool that you left Columbus, Ohio to go ranch in western Nebraska. I think that's pretty cool myself. Yeah. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, that's, I would say that would have been a, um, a fairly large culture shock for a lot of people. Yeah, it kind of was very much in a good way. Um, you know, in Columbus, big city, everything's fast, everything's loud. And then coming out to a town of a couple hundred people, it was like, where have I been all my life? Like it, it, it really was a culture shock, but in a very good way. And honestly, I can't imagine myself going back into the city. So. Yeah, we went to a we went to a town in South Dakota that had a population of forty four, and the hunter, the the lady that was there cooking for us in camp, we asked her if that was really the population. She said, "I'm pretty sure they count the dogs too," mm-hmm. <laughs> which yep. I which I thought was great. And I'm like, man, this is you know, my dad's like, this is how life used to be when I was growing up. He's like, you know, you knew everybody, and um, you know, there wasn't you know, if you needed anything, you knew who somebody who had it, and you just went over to their house and you ask him to borrow it and you borrowed it and you brought it back. He's like, it was, it was never, he said, we were never meant to live this way. Cause we're about an hour, hour and a half North of Atlanta. And, uh, okay. it's, oh, it's a miserable, miserable place. Atlanta. I just, unless Traffic. I have, unless I have to fly out of there, I avoid it like the plague. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily that airport isn't terrible. It oh, kind of is a, yeah, I disagree with you that. Know, to get to the rental car. It takes a little bit of time, but yeah, Atlanta traffic. I've, I've definitely been there, done that too. It's not fun. No, it's not. It's not. It's a, uh, it's a God for second place, but yeah. So, um, so what are some of the ways, uh, what are some of the ways you guys have kind of changed it up in terms of product? How, how have you made it quieter? How, you know, obviously the name of the, the brand is code of silence. So obviously it's quiet, obviously it's comfortable. So how have we, how have we achieved that? Well, there's a lot of things that go into making a garment quiet. Um, you know, there's obviously the, the fabric is, is a big, big deal with, with um, texture and with loft comes forgiveness when, you know, you have things that, that touch against the fabric, whether that be your own sleeves or whether that be the back of a tree that you're uh, leaning back against, whether that be brush you're walking in. So, so texture definitely is a, uh, a, a friend to quietness and, um, but composition plays a big role in it. Organics, you know, such as wools and cottons are, are definitely a little bit on the, on the quieter side. And they're also on the, on, there's some visual benefit we can talk about here in a little bit, but, uh, definitely fabric was a huge target. But the other things, you know, the, um, closure pieces being zippers, snaps, Velcro, things like that. We spent an awful lot of time. Um, thinking through those without giving up function, you know, all those things serve their serve great purposes. So it's not like you can just, you know, cut them basically. You, you have to find other solutions. But our cuff, for example, that we have on our on the sleeves of every one of our coats, Jamie, yeah, which is just a, you know, a panel of stretch fleece, which gives you the elasticity you need. And then also using the, the, what we call this, you know, the self fabric, which is the main shell of the fat of the garment in about three quarters of the cuff. So you sort of get the best of both worlds. You, you get the camouflage and the quietness of the shell fabric, but you still have the elasticity, whether you want the cuff to go over, over a pair of gloves or under a pair of gloves or over the top of a release or whatever. Um, but you, we don't have any Velcro in our garments. Um, we don't have any, you know, we, we limit the number of snaps we have. We just really try to cut down on, on you know, the, 
things that are just going to be, you know, the weaknesses in, in, a, in the uh, overall silence of the garment. On friction, too, is a big thing we talk about a lot. Even with the design of our garments, the um, inside was kind of, as you call, the grease sleeve. Yep. 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 Internal frictions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, but, but laminations um, or, you know, interior barriers can be a huge source of noise, and they're really kind of a, a hidden challenge in that in a lot of cases you won't notice they, they won't they won't show their you know the, the noise they make until it's cold out right. and yep. you, you can go into a in a retail store try this on go hey you know this is probably going to be quiet enough and then you sit at six degrees and it's a whole different story um when especially when noise is magnified not only is it making more noise but the dryness in the air the stillness in a lot of cases and those temperatures just magnifies the you know the challenge um we don't at this point we do not have any waterproof um technologies we have as much water resistance as we can as we can get we use a lot of technologies that deliver breathability which we think is essential to staying warm yep. um so we find a way to you know provide as much weather and cold protection as we can without jeopardizing the garment making noise when you need it to to be totally quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is usually when a deer is a, you know, it's 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 really a bad deal to I think we've all probably been there when a, maybe a deer of the year or a deer of a decade or a deer of a lifetime is at nine yards and, you know, that deer will find the weaknesses in your system and it's it's a bad time to find out your garment uh didn't live up to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nine steps uh and you can hear them breathing, they can see the watts of your eyes, that's when you don't want to find that out. Yeah, we've all we've all been there, and I'm usually the guy behind the camera standing there praying that the guy in front of me's got his stuff lined out as best as he can, because I've got my I'm trying to got my stuff lined out the best I can, and everybody knows it's the cameraman's fault when somebody doesn't shoot something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're always I've to blame. I've never, yeah. Okay, well, I've never heard a hunter on Oh, yeah. No. They never break sticks walking in. They never, their stand never makes noise when they stand up. It's only the camera guys. <laughs> oh, man. I've, that's yeah. a story as old as time there. I've been, uh, I've, I, which were easy targets. I mean, let's be honest. We're just, we're the lowly camera guys. We're easy to, we're easy to pick on. We're easy to be the scapegoat. So we're, we, we're used to it. But, um, yeah. So, Comfort is something I've talked about. I've, I've, you know, I've worn a little bit of everything right now. I've, uh, I've got a, a gamut of different things that I wear, just things that I found over the years that, um, I really like. And I've been one of those guys also that has always loved just a hoodie, uh, like a, a really thick overdone hoodie. Um, very much like what I'm seeing with your uh, vertigre, vertigre, how do you say it? Vertigre, 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 your vertigre hoodie. Um, Because usually, you know, the only hoodies you can find are either just the cheapy polyester, you know, ones that you can get anywhere or they're cotton and they suck or they're just, they're just too thin. Um, I'm always somebody that wanted that full kangaroo pocket in the front that has a big heavy hoodie as one garment that I can put over the top of, 
you know, something else. And that's what I'm wearing. And uh, that was one product that kind of stood out to me that I, I really honestly want to try out. But, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me, hey, well, you paid X amount of dollars for a hoodie or you paid that much money for pants or you paid that much for, you know, those boots or whatever. But it's like, I'll pay whatever it costs to be comfortable. When you spend as many days in the woods, either hiking mountains or climbing in and out of tree stands or in and out of ground blinds or, um, you know, in and out of layout blinds or duck blinds or whatever it is, you know, comfort to be comfortable, to be warm, to be quiet, all those things cost money. Um, there's no, unless you're just way tougher than I am, you know, because I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not, because I'm not built. When you said six degrees, I've had to hunt when it was below 10, like three or four times. Not a fan. Um, I'm from, <laughs> I'm from the South and it gets below 20 degrees and we're going to the house. Like it's, it's too, it's too blame cold. And so, you know, those couple of times I looked like the Michelin man until I found some, <laughs> some really good, some really good clothing to, to go out into that. So I, I kind of want to talk about the, the comfort level of everything because being comfortable is something that I take very seriously and I will pay for it. So kind of kind of talk about, you know, not only the, the silent factor, but the comfort factor. So real quick, I got a question for you, Caleb. Okay. When you're talking comfort, what is your priority? Is comfort as in fit or comfort as in – you being comfortable in the elements, like not getting cold, both. perfect I, it, facility, what, prioritize it, that for it's, us. It's very much both for me because, you know, I've, um, I've made sure that, like, I have one pair of pants particularly that I wear until it gets below 30 degrees. And it's, mm-hmm. I, have, I have, have a pair of Sitka Ascent pants. It's the lightest pair of pants that they make. Uh, mm-hmm. But they fit, they stay in place. They are cut just like I like them. They last. Mm-hmm. They have pockets pockets exactly where I want them. They're quiet. And I wear those pants 100 days a year. And everybody makes fun of me because I always have them on the same pants. I'm like, these pants work for me. And I, <laughs> I have probably six pairs of them because if one goes down, I have a replacement. And I'm scared, honest to God, because you, everybody knows once you find something you like, they stop making it. So I bought like six, yeah. six pairs of them just in case, like I'm at least, I've got at least, you know, 10 good years of these pants before I had to find something else. Um, yeah. And I've been looking for that, that hoodie or that top layer, which Sitka makes a different one that I don't like as much. I hate the collar on it. Um, they have a gradient hoodie that I wear a lot. This is kind of, kind of like a quarter, I think it's a quarter zip hoodie, but it's got the full kangaroo pocket. And I love it, but they don't make it in the camouflage pattern. They only make it in solid, so I can only wear it in ground blinds. Like, there's there's some things that I mm-hmm. want to change about it, but I saw this vertigray hoodie that y'all have, and I'm like, that might mm-hmm. be my piece um, because that's yeah. what I've been mm-hmm. wanting is is, is a, a thick, heavy hoodie that I can wear my bino harness over. It's got the pocket in the front, and it's just one simple piece that I can throw in and I can layer underneath it, and that's always my top layer. That's what yeah. I want. I'm simple. I want to carry right. – Two or three things with me that work, that fit, that I can rely on. Yep. Yeah, I, I had that hoodie on this weekend, actually. Nice. Um, and I, you know, it's probably a lot of temperature difference in, in where you hunt and where I hunt. I spend a lot of, I'm more of a targeted November, you know, second through 10th guy. And so it's, it's usually, you know, that's, um, it's 15 in the mornings, you know, and, 
it might be 50. It, it could be 40 in the morning it's just it, with the weather we have crazy. But I mean, it's uh, at 15 degrees, that, that hoodie's not enough, but it's extremely versatile. I had it on this weekend with my son. I was actually filming. I was I was the camera guy. I was the live guy this weekend. Kid. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Did you get and, yelled at? Uh, Did you get yelled at at least once for breaking sticks or being too loud or moving too much? Because you weren't a camera guy unless you got yelled at at least once. I did not. Well, actually, he was not very happy with the noise of my camera. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, okay. good. Now, then, then you can call I, yourself a camera guy. All right. Continue. It's yeah. so like, man, that thing was making it sound like a broken chainsaw. That's what he said. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, the four by four you missed that was walking by. I did miss him shooting. He didn't see the deer coming. He was focused on another deer. We had a. Mm. A, a, a nice four by four of the side a deer he would have shot and uh, 15 yards well, that, that deer was fine with the noise that my broken yeah. chainsaw was making well so, if if you, if you dug deep enough you'd figure out the, the reason he missed that was somehow your fault as well just just so you know <laughs> he's he is an amazing hunter i don't know where he got it from his <laughs> his, uh, his his uh his skill set in a tree stand is just off the charts i do not he's crazy and he never misses anything and he was so focused on a much bigger deer that he missed this nice four by four coming by and all of a sudden the deer was standing there and i'm looking at him like um i didn't come this far to film the back of your head but um it, it was all good fun so very cool but the first pile that he yeah so, a little bit about bravery so it's you know it was it was built a lot to be the simplistic piece you just named yeah. as, a, as an all-purpose over the shell or by itself it was 50 out when i was wearing the mm -hmm. garment this weekend i would say probably dropped to 40 by the time we got out of the stand but i'm with you you know it's i, I live in cotton hoodies as jamie knows she has one on this morning and <laughs> i don't but you know that the front hand pockets are just amazingly versatile for for whatever oh yeah um and you know having a, a hood you can go to when you need it for extra protection having you know just a we'll call a, a tech hoodie done right um felt like it was a huge necessity in line that's why we did it yeah. and well, it, it serves those purposes well there's actually a company i reached out to probably two years ago um can't even remember the name of them now but they make a hoodie for um the snowmobile not snowmobile but uh snowboarding and I can't remember the dang name, but it was a, it looked like a standard, like a uh, cotton hoodie on the outside, but it was like lined on the inside with the fleece. And it had these, it had a lower pocket, but one I love because Under Armour used to make one that had a hoodie that had the upper chest pocket that was made to go underneath your waders. So you had that high pocket and you had the low pocket and they had both of them. So you could put your hands behind your bino harness and keep them warm up up top and like rest your shoulders in this tree stand, yep. which I do like a lot. And this company had them and they had them all in these solid colors. And I even reached out to them. I'm like, Hey, can y'all make this in a camo and I'll buy a couple of them. Cause I want a good hoodie. Um, and then, you know, when you guys reached out to do the podcast and I saw this one that you guys have, I'm like, okay, well maybe this is the, maybe I don't need to get those guys to reply to an email anymore. Maybe this is the one that I needed. <laughs> Because I've I've actively tried to find a you know a a, a hoodie that's good for a, a November sit and you know without like I said layering thirty seven things underneath it, um, but right. you know as I go through the lineup 
on the website, there's a couple of, you know, there's definitely a couple of hoodies and, and different things that I like. Um, but that one just really stuck out to me. I, not to focus on one thing, but that's the one that I'm definitely going to have my hands on for long. Nice. Just out of curiosity, Caleb, what's like the coldest weather that you hunt? Well, so home? most of the time we're in the Midwest, uh, you know, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, yeah, and during yep. the during the rut. So, I mean, you're in the, you can get down in the single digits occasionally, yeah, but yeah. most of the time. I forgot, yeah, you travel, yeah. Yeah, it's but oh, but here, yeah, no, it gets twenty degrees that's here. People, yeah, people start rolling up the sidewalks here at twenty degrees. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what, okay. Yeah. No, I love that piece. I I love the pant as much as I love the top. But yeah. I'm very serious. It's as you say. It's you know, it's just so versatile. I can wear, you know, I can layer underneath it um, and get down surprisingly cold. You know, and same time I can wear it on, uh, on its own and get by 50 degrees. So mm-hmm. very versatile piece. So tell me about the camouflage that's on it. What is the, what is the camo that's on there? Is it y'all's own proprietary camo? I'm trying to, I'm, I, I can't tell by the, the picture what it is. It's called S18. Okay. Camo. I see that on there. I see S18, but I didn't know what that was. Yep. It's called visual silence S18. Um, it is, it stands for stand 18 uh, actually. Um, which is rounding up 17.8 feet. Um, we wanted the camouflage to be, you know, not Ev's camo or not Jamie's camo. We wanted it to be, you know, have some science behind it to do what it's supposed to do. And so we actually, I'll, I'll tell you quickly, we um, surveyed a number of hunters around the country and came up with an average stand height of 14.8 feet. You put a six foot average person in that belt height of of 17.8 feet and then we surveyed trees at that 17.8 feet across the midwest and came up with an average branch size and branch um, uh, density for the number of of branches in that six foot zone um, above 14.8 feet uh, and that drove the element composition in the pattern okay well that's a really simple but very practical way of looking at making a camouflage i like that huh well it's it's, it seems pretty obvious when you do it it's like how else would you do it you know but you know i i've been around camouflages my whole career and there there's some great ones don't get me wrong but most of them are art you know it's just i want want a branch here i I want a little leaf here and like for us yeah as far as visually versus exactly and I'll be the first to admit, I mean, there's a variety and some of those trees had, you know, literally no branches in that zone. And some of them looked like your favorite apple tree to climb when you were, when you were 10 in neighbor's backyard. But um, at least there's some science behind it that say, you know, it's, it's going to mimic the, 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 the average tree that hunters find themselves in. So, so, so for, because I want to hear that again. So tell me, tell me the 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 survey you did. So the average stand was fourteen point what height, and the average hunter was six. So tell me that one more time. Four, yeah, the average stand height was fourteen point eight feet. But I mean, you know, you're standing in the sand, so the average the average person is approximately six feet tall. I think we just use six, I guess. I and so you put a belt height of three feet above 14.8 yep. say the mid the mid height of that yeah, person center mass, center mass of that yep. person gets you at 17.8 feet 
which is rounded up to 18. That's the 18 and S18. Um, and that's that was the that was the survey point. And a lot of this is the uh, a lot of this is made out of the uh, that that merino wool, correct? Um, we only have one product in the line right now that is merino. Um, we have some beside us <laughs> that we're working on for next year that that uses merino. Um, but all the products we have are have a wool composition. Okay, that's what I'm. That's what I meant. Just not merino. Not merino yeah. wool, but wool composition. Okay, that's what I meant. Yes, sir. So, yeah. so what 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 is it about wool that you like so much? Well, it's you know wool's an organic. Um, it's it has great insulating properties. It has um, it has just a lot of good things going for it. It um, it's just funny because you know we we favor organics in, in a general sense. So the woods are one hundred percent organic, and there should be as much of a, a lean toward organics as you can as you can get away with in my opinion with durability with long you know other factors um, weighing in there but going back to the fabric what's more important Caleb in our minds is is these are these are knit patterns which is a little bit of a challenge in that you know you might see a um a lot of them. I won't pick on real tree or mossy oak or anything, but a lot of their, you know, the leading patterns, they used to get up to 16 different colors. Well, jacquard knitting, you're, you're limited to the number of colors. So our pattern is four colors, which that was, it was pretty easy to come up with four colors. We just, we knew we needed, you know, kind of bookends of the spectrum. So we took the most common darkest color of a, of the same trees we looked at for branch density, and we looked at the lightest, you know, kind of a lot more common lighter color, and then we had to, after those bookends, we just had two in the middle. And so the, we had the four tones that that we used, but so what we do is we dye the fibers, and then the camouflage pattern is actually knit into the fabric, which is, sounds like, geez, it sounds a little old school, a little old fashioned. The light absorbance of that because you have an organic base because you have much less uh, level of synthetics and then you have the pile of the fabric and then you have the kind of the texture that the knitting provides the light absorbance is off the charts cool and effective i again i'm i'm not a salesman i'm not a big you know until things are perfect i never even really stick my chest out at all i was sitting there filming my son as I said earlier this weekend, I was, he's, we were in an ash tree, and you just look at it, and it's just like, you, not just the pattern, not just the color, that dull kind of drab look just melts into a tree like you cannot believe. It's, it's off the charts effective. It really is. And that's what we set out to do, and I think we kind of outkicked our coverage on it, but it, it's a real deal. Yeah. yeah, there's no shine. There's no sheen. It's just very mm-hmm. that you know, everything looks slightly out of focus. Yep. Well, I would say, if, I mean, if, if, you'd, if you'd wrap deer in a camouflage pattern with a synthetic fabric that kind of dominates the hunting world, they'd, they'd have been extinct a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and if they, yeah, I mean, and if turkeys could smell, we'd never kill them. Um, so that's, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite adages. You know, people say turkeys are so easy. I'm like, if they could smell, we'd never kill them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so, uh, let's, let's kind of, kind of talk about some, some content, you know, you guys, you know, with the background at Cabela's and, um, you know, obviously getting code of silence rolling and everything else, you know, content becomes a big part of what you guys are going to do and, and, and the influences on your marketing strategies and what you watch, what you consume and what other people are going to watch to try and familiarize yourself with code of silence and what you guys are doing. And, you know, obviously you guys work with Bill Winky and some other ones. So what is, what does great outdoor content look like for you guys that would try and help educate and or sell your product? What does that look like? What's the, you know, perfect world money's no object. What kind of content are you guys creating? Caleb, that's an awesome question. Um, our biggest priority is authenticity. I know that that word is used overly used, but that is really true to Adam and myself and where we want the brand to, um, and where we see the brand being sustainable with. Um, as far as content creation, um, you know, where we see our brand and where we see the core consumer using this is is the, the humble hunter focuses really on, um, you know, being very technical as far as making sure that they're doing their due diligence to perform and be effective in the field. And that's everything from the bow they use, to the broadheads they use, to their clothing. Um, and this is, the, this is the person that puts the time into it and is really passionate about it. Um, as far as content supporting that, I think what's really important to Evan and myself is, is it being honest and real. I don't know if you can echo that or anything else to add, Ev, but... No, I think that's well said, Jamie. I really do. You know, we, in, we're back in the background hope you guys can tell that I mean Jamie and I are passionate hunters. So there's, there's mm-hmm. another um partner we have, a guy named Darren Youngblood in Iowa and mm-hmm. just you won't find a, a you know harder core whitetail guy out there. And you know, when we're we're we love shed hunting and we love scouting and we love the game camera side and we love you know um the technical side of of bow setup and tuning and mm-hmm. um understand a lot about clothing and clothing manufacturing and um we're just trying to bring it all together and make an extension of of that authenticity really and but again seeing the void in the market is a big big deal you know that's why we're doing it too so but content is as amy said it's um it's bringing that out in a real way and and just making sure that if if we can and you know, we talk about our opinion. We never want to dictate this is how things should be done or here, here's here's the right way. It's 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 I've learned from so many people and hopefully that some some of the things we talk about, um, whether it be how to stay warm or how to stay, you know, better concealment or um, whatever, you know, more on the product side of things. Um, if, if we can educate people, great. And if we can share our experiences on the on the rest of it, on on what we do. Rest of the time, that's great too. But we're here to learn as well. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, who 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 out there do you think does a really good job of that? That you know, you guys either look up to or want to model some of your content off of. You think? Go Winky. <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough to put Bill top yep. of the list. Yep. Bill Winky, and you know, I've just enjoyed. You know, I've known Bill for twenty plus years, and and. I worked with him actually on some scent control products. Some people might remember I actually did it twice with Bill once, probably 20 years ago, and then once about eight years ago. We had a, it was called a Winky suit. It was, um, 
basically a, a way to seal in sand, uh, fully encapsulate sand, a really, really effective product. But, you know, that to me illustrates Bill's long and long and his, his, his focus on building better products, finding solutions in the field. And we're the same way. And so whether Bill's talking about building tree stands or building clothes or food plots or, you know, sleeping at the bottom of the tree. Yeah. It's all about that guy's a that guy's a nut. (laughs) Anybody who'll sleep at the bottom of the trees is is, has got a screw loose. The and I'd say too I'll I'll add on to us talking about Bill Winky, you know, I like I said I didn't grow up in this industry and the door being open for people that, you know, don't really know, um, I'm very passionate about. And what I really like about Bill is not only is he super knowledgeable, but his his voice is so welcoming that, um, you know, it really doesn't close any doors for people that have no idea where to start. And that's, you know, he talks a lot about educational stuff. He shares a lot of what works for him. And to that point, not with the tone of you need to do this. It's the tone of like, this is what I'm doing. You can choose to take it right. Yeah, which which really offers that welcoming persona that um, I, I truly respect and think is, is a big part of where we want our brand to be too. Yeah, I agree. I think he does do a good job of, you know, saying this has worked for me. You know, you're more than welcome to try it, but kind of do your own thing or you do you and I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep killing big deer whether you want me to or not. <laughs> you know, he, he, yeah. he does do a, a very good job of that. Um, so what do you guys think um, – if you could pick one thing that would exemplify like why, or, or maybe, maybe you look at it this way. Okay. So I, you know, being in the South, there's always the hardcore real tree guys, the hardcore mossy oak guys, the hardcore, this, the hardcore that, and they're, you know, they can be brand loyal and I've never been somebody mm-hmm. who's like that. I'm always going to be the guy that uses the best of the best. What is something, yep. if you could give somebody a, a line or two to say, hey, you know, this is worth a try because of this, what would that be? What would that line be from you guys? Well, a lot of things. Actually, I'm sorry, I'll try to make this short. Um, it, it's funny, Kayla. One thing I would say is, you know, and I think everybody can relate. Um, I do a lot of fishing. I do a lot of everything. I mean, I learn and hunt, but I've got, a, I've got one um, – older Loomis jigging rod that I use for walleye and I fish tournaments. And I mean, if, if I leave that rod at home, but for a tournament, I'm driving back for it. You know, I've got, I've got, uh, varmint guns that, you know, I feel that enabled by them because of the optics on them and their accuracy and the trigger. And, yep. you know, if I leave that home, I'm going back for it. And Jamie and I just, you know, we talked about this, you know, a few years ago, of you know, you might have a favorite coat, but it's not at that level of of how you felt that it, it made you know it, it it made it made you be the best that you right. could be in the field where you were going home for it if you left it. And it's like, why is that? I mean, why isn't clothing at that level of a system that it is you know that it, it enables you at that point? And I would tell you right now. For a lot of reasons, warmth, quietness being top of the list, but the camouflaging aspects. You know, some of the places I hunt deer, they've been hunted for with with bows for 50, 60 years hard, and they they're tree watchers. I mean, they're hard even when you're putting hanging and hunting. 
you still get seen and the the consuming aspect again nothing against any of the camouflages that are out there i think this is more because of the light reflectance um that we have it is it is light reflectance is, or slash absorbance um is an overlooked aspect to concealment that is a way bigger deal than people have ever realized and i would Honestly, I would have said this, and I've told Seth this hundred times. Jamie's going to say, you know, you say this all, but saying all that, I would hang a sign on our booth at a show easily and say, if you don't get seen, you know, less than half as much, and if you do get seen, if you don't get forgiven at least twice as much or more than you have in the past, bring it back. I'll give you your money back. It is that different, um, but the differences are simple. I mean, the, the woods are organic. Your camouflage should be organic. The woods absorb light. Your clothes should absorb light. Uh, it's, it's why deer are so hard to see and they're relatively brown. So I know that was a longer line than you asked for, but no, I think that's why I go first. Yep. I think the simplest thing you said was my favorite, which is this is the piece of gear that if you, if you forgot it at home, then you turn around and go get it. Um, I think I I look at things in terms of, especially running an outdoor content, content creation business is like, Hey, you know, we could go buy this drone or this mic or this lens. And, you know, should we, and I look at it, it's like, will it make us not even 1% better, but a 10th of 1% better? And if, mm-hmm. if that piece of gear will make us a 10th of 1% better to me, it's worth it because, you know, that there's value in, in, in having the right piece of gear for the right situation that you can depend on, that you can trust, that you know, when that deer's at nine yards, that when you draw back, the only noise that's going to be coming from anything might be on your bow. So make sure you've got your, you know, you've got your, your sound tape on your rest. So that, cause yeah. that's the only sound that's going to come from anything or, you know, make sure your tree stands, you know, not going to make any noise. Cause that's where the only sound is going to come from. You know, that you can count on this, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you can count on it. And I think that's, there's a lot of value in that, that, you know, like I said, those those pants that I love so much, I don't leave home without them no matter what trip it is. If it's a hunting trip or a hiking trip, a, a family trip to the beach, it doesn't matter. I take those pants with me because I don't leave home without them. Um, and, yep. that, and I think that's got to be, I think if you can create something that is that piece that is like it's, you don't ever take it out of your bag because it's going to be in there no matter what because you're going to go on a hunt again so it stays in there or it stays in that bag in your truck or it stays in your you know, whatever your, your locker is that you keep all your hunting gear, like it's there because it's, that's its place. It's never going anywhere else. I like that a lot. You could almost build a whole slogan or a whole campaign around that about this is the piece of gear you don't leave home without, or if you do leave home without it, you go back and get it. I like that. Yep. So, um, yeah, no, that was great guys. Um, anything else that we, we missed that you guys would like to go over? Um, I think that, I mean, I, I covered everything I wanted to cover and I've already got a couple things that I'm going to have to get. So, uh, yeah, I, one thing I did want to throw out and something, I don't know if you've, you've checked out yet, Caleb, our new packs, um, especially for the, um, Silmer, the videographer that's out there, um, our packs and the double back system that we incorporate in the simplicity of that is a great pack to be able to haul your camera gear. I got you. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll look at those two. I haven't even had a chance to get over there. I've been looking at the clothes too much. Yeah. Yeah. Check out the packs. Cause I say, you know, a lot of what went into that was kind of a minimalist approach, but the versatility of that being able to haul 
camera gear, even uh, tree stand um, for saddles, hunting type stuff, uh, your bow. It's it's just a it's just game changing pack. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had more gear in that pack <laughs> going in. I had carry stand and had to carry sticks in. Yeah. I had I had all my my main pieces of my camera stuff and I saw and and it it just does the job big big way. Yeah, I'll have to look at that too. Well, cool, cool, cool. guys. Well, uh, go, sorry, go ahead. Hey, Caleb, one more thing. You know, people are going to look at our prices a little bit and be like, we're surprisingly um, kind of blue collar, I yeah. think. Um, that's how I best say it. And it really comes from our manufacturing side of, of Jamie and I being it, you know, knowing the, knowing the manufacturing industry and the um, supply chain side really, really well. And, we set out to make this, you know, that was another thing was clothing shouldn't cost as much as it costs. Right. I mean, it really should not. Preach. Can, not you say that? Can, you, can you say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and we're, we didn't set out to undercut anyone. No. It has nothing to do with anything. It just did not. But it's just like, you know, you look at that hoodie, you know, a nice wool hoodie like that with a nice lining and, you know, some good fit. And I mean, that's, that hoodie should be, you know, 150, 160 bucks, period. I mean, that's, I, that was ingrained in me a long time ago when, you know, when I came to work at, at Cabela's actually, and I, I can't get it out of my head. And, um, it, as long as we can, you know, sustain the business and, yep. and, um, we're going to stick to that path of, of good solid pricing. So it's a little hard to get over though. Some people are like, like, what am I missing? Right. This can't be as good as that. Because it costs half as much, and well, fair, but we can raise our prices if you want, but uh, <laughs> not planning to. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, and I was noticing on that that hoodie that you know you go buy a compared, you know, like the the compared Sitka hoodie that's I guess would be even remotely close to the Verdigree hoodie is going to be almost twice that much. Right. Yep. So. Agreed. No, it's been fun, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys, and um, I will. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my hands on that at least at least that hoodie, and and I'll give you guys some feedback in terms of what I'm uh, what I like about it, and you know, because I I like to I've I've been doing this long enough to know what I like and what I don't like, and 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 luckily have form relationships with folks like you guys and can say, Hey, I love this, love this, love this. Hey, how could we fix this one thing? Or what am I doing wrong? Why is this not as comfortable as I'd like it? Or, um, those type things. So I would, uh, yeah, I'd love to continue the conversation down the road too, and see how we can, um, continue to improve. And, you know, cause if it, like I said, if it helps me one tenth of 1%, I'm all about it. Love it. It's awesome. Sounds awesome. Yep. Hey, thanks a lot, Caleb. Yeah, no problem guys. All right. I will, Talk to you guys soon, and if you need anything, holler. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Have a great week. You too.